I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB, and Happy New Year to everybody. As we launch out into 2023... Today is my sixth anniversary, sixth anniversary of doing this show. This this is me throwing a brick <laughs> through the Overton window. If you understand what the Overton window is, I'm not a red meat Republican radio. I haven't even covered some of the biggest stories here on this show, but I've tried to add some new thoughts, maybe, maybe give somebody a different way of looking at things from time to time. Uh, Today, next hour, speaking of that, I'm going to have Josiah Baker on. He is with the Mises Caucus. Uh, These are the people that are in control of the Libertarian Party right now. I think there's some listeners who get tired of me talking about libertarianism, which is interesting. Uh, For political talk radio, I guess we're just trapped and you got to talk about one of the two teams. Uh, I'm just not going to. See, most conservatives have turned their back on mainstream media, rightfully. And really, this is kind of decades in the making, but the media has never been worse than it is right now. Never been more obviously propaganda. No, Never been so obviously state-run television. The former Soviet Union could only dream of having uh, the lackeys in mainstream media that we have right now. But uh, the Republican Party at this point, the structure of the Republican Party, not all Republicans, there's some great Republicans out there, but the Republican Party is the equivalent of the mainstream media. So if, like with media, you're interested in looking into alternative things, other things outside of the mainstream, then this group, the Mises Caucus, that has taken over the third largest political party in the country, should at least be maybe interesting to you to hear. Uh, The Republican Party is about to split apart anyway. I may get to that later on today. So you may as well join a group with some actual values, some things around freedom and liberty. They don't just talk the talk. They walk the walk. Uh, It might actually be interesting. And I've also found for today the quote of the century. I've had quotes of the day. I've had quotes of the week. I've had a quote of the year. But I found the quote of the century. And you're going to hear it often. I'm sure I'll get to it today because I can't resist. Um, But you'll probably hear it many times over the coming days. This quote is almost 100 years old. They told you. They told you what they were going to do, and most everybody listening to me fell for it. I did, too, at one point. It's really quite stunning uh, quote from somebody with the Bank of England in 1924. So we'll get to all that later. Uh, I host a political talk radio show. The interesting thing about me, I don't know if it makes me different or what. Uh, I hate politics. 
I just I, I abhor our political class. And most what I really hate is I hate what politics does to people. And last night was one of those times that illustrates why I absolutely abhor politics and what it does to people. And this is the story of this incredibly sad story of DeMar Hamlin with the Buffalo Bills. By now, everybody knows what happened. He was involved in a tackle, stood up, collapsed. And, and none of us know uh, if the COVID shot was involved. I have somebody here who's been probably as critical, if not more critical, than anybody else on radio. Pretty much uh, WIEB. I think we've kind of tag-teamed uh, this experiment uh, that they've done on the American people and people worldwide. And certainly, I'll be honest with you, my bias is to when I hear that Barbara Walters dies at what, well, how old was she, like 91 or 93 years old? My first thought is, it's the shot. And that is patently ridiculous. And immediately when I first think that, I think to myself, Mike, she was 91 or 93. So I try to walk myself back from that. But it is, it is somewhere that we go. Young, healthy athletes are dying around the world. Uh, we do not know if that played a part in this or not. And most of us are just frustrated that it will never, ever, ever be looked at. Even though we know this has been going on in soccer and basketball and other sports. And hell, we got two ABC News producers. Uh, young 30s, maybe one of them was in their 20s that have died suddenly in the headlines just the last few days. But... That's not really the the thing about it that really bothered me, but it, it is what happens to people's humanities. There were, there were so many references, and this is why I say I just hate what politics does to people, uh, so many references to the game being canceled. And some people calling them wusses, that they should get out there and they should, uh, they, they should play the game. I won't read the... The thing we shared around the station here, it's a local person who really said, you know, these guys can't compare themselves to warriors anymore. So a guy stands up, a a 24-year-old kid whose mom is at the game, stands up, collapses, has to be resuscitated, and is at risk right now. He's in critical condition of dying. And someone's first thought is to go to social media and call uh, all NFL players wusses. Some of them calling him overpaid. And I know I'm supposed to hate every NFL player because some of them took a knee a few years ago. But it's it's interesting to me. You know, we look at inner cities, a lot of conservatives. We look at inner cities and see people committing crimes, sitting around living on welfare. And we look down on these people and we tell you, you need to get your act together. Go out and be a productive member of society. And then you've got these athletes, many of them from those circumstances, from those inner cities. And these are kids who, and are all of them good people? I didn't know. They're not. Not all radio show hosts are good people. Not all doctors are good people. Not all lawyers are good people. Not all plumbers are good people. But these are the people from some of these circumstances where we tell them, other people, get off the dole. Quit committing crimes. Get out there and get you a job. These are athletes who have spent, some of them, 10, 15 years busting their butts. Going to two-a-days in the summer heat. Going to team meetings when they'd rather be at the club. Lifting weights when they don't feel like it. 
And, and, and they do all of these things. They, it's an incredible amount of sacrifice. I'm not a big NFL fan. When they started switching teams, it's been decades ago, really, I kind of lost interest. I was an Oakland Raiders fan. As the teams move from city to city and all the players change, it just lost interest to me. But I can respect these players, regardless of what kind of person they are. And none of us truly know who these people are, unless we know them personally. But I can certainly respect the amount of work that goes into what they do. Even the thinking part of this sport, even though it is based on brawn, it was kind of interesting. I was talking the other day about watching this old Oakland Raiders game. One thing I forgot to mention was there were a couple things about it. One was that they talked about one guy in, on the uh, on the Oakland team. I think they called him um, the monster of the NFL. He weighed 275 pounds. <laughs> he was the monster at the time. I can't remember what game it was I was watching. I think it might have been the Clemson game. The quarterback weighed 250 today. It was interesting. And also for the Super Bowl, old Super Bowl game I watched, this old 1970s Oakland Raiders victory over the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the winning uh, purse was $15,000 per player. Of course, $15,000 was a lot of money back then, but just interesting the way the game has changed. So I'm not some big fan. But can we at least admit that these people, as we castigate them for you know canceling a game and calling them, I mean, just what I saw, the reaction that people had to that. And, and then there's this thing about being overpaid. Do, you, do people understand how NFL players, how any professional athletes get paid? You pay them. The, the fans pay these players. They aren't going up to some team owner like some diva and saying, I demand you go and take out a loan or reach into your own pockets and pull out a bunch of money and pay me. No. The fans line up to buy extremely expensive season tickets, extremely expensive boxes. They get watch television relentlessly. Watch it. There is a lot of revenue generated around this sport, and the players hire agents to go in and get them the biggest piece of that they can. Now, I agree within the context of the world, it seems completely out of whack to me, as does a college coach making $10 million a year while students leave with $160,000 in student loans. Always good for the flow of the show. <laughs> yes, somebody jump in. Anyway, I guess we've got weather today. I hope Tate Reeves lets us drive and he does not issue a park-in-place order. We're going to talk a little bit about, I've got a couple of things on these shots too, but my point being on these players in politics, because because it gets into the kind of the, the into the zeitgeist that, we must oppose the NFL, and there's all kinds of things abhorrent about political stances that the NFL have taken, and if you choose to boycott them, I totally support your reasoning behind doing that and your and your ability to do it. But it is the thing where, and, and this is really what I see across the board, and it's going to lead up to, and I come back in a second, my quote of the century, which is we cannot no longer distinguish when we get into political battles between human beings, other humans, this, this guy, this DeMar Hamlin guy, apparently was doing a very big toy drive. And people, thank goodness, people have contributed millions of dollars now to his GoFundMe for this toy drive for kids. Uh, he's obviously done some good work in the community at some point. But we, we allow this, this hatred for the NFL. Suddenly we start castigating players who, don't, who, are, who cancel a game. 
We start screaming about how they're overpaid in the first place, and then it takes us down this whole rabbit hole of how much we hate the NFL. This was just one human being going out and doing his job after busting his butt for probably decades, getting in optimal shape, battling for his position, going to the meetings, learning the defensive schemes, making a tackle, and then having a cardiac arrest. It's just a human being, but politics, this is my thing. Just, I watch it just, 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 just destroy people's uh, ability to, to have any empathy for anything, to be able to step aside and just not make a comment at that particular time. And, and, and uh, just stick with me for a second, and I'll, I'll get to this quote of the year. I mean, excuse me, quote of the century when I come back, and you'll, you'll, maybe you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, this, the way politics invades everything now. And, and look, the NFL has injected politics into things. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is not one-sided. It's the left. It's the right. It's the, it's the power structure has, has devised these divisions, has stoked this hatred for other human beings to where we cannot see the forest for the trees when it comes to these kinds of things. I'll, I'll take a break now. When I come back, I'm going to play it's, it's the, it. I'm not going to play it. I'm going to recite it. The quote of the century. How we got to where we are right now. It was always a plan. They told us straight to our face. Many people, up to and including right this minute, are still falling for it. Stick around. Radio is the All right, uh, I got call. You can always email me, Mike Madison at WYEB.com. I'm not, I'm not one to go for probably what is mainstream or really uh, popular <laughs> views uh, views on this show. And when I say popular, you know, I mean on the right or the left. I hate politics and what it does to people, and I'm just going to talk about it when I got the mic. Uh, somebody called me out and said that I said that most NFL players came from the inner city, and they said that was a big false statement. I think I said many. That is what I meant to say. If I said most, I'm going to go to the tape. I'm gonna, you're going to force me to go back and listen to my own show, which I don't do. Uh, but there are when I talk about the fact that uh, we all want to see people in the inner city, uh, or you know, we see these pictures of people that are their lives are just going nowhere, committing crimes up to no good in the inner cities. We want them to improve themselves. Well, these football players, while they might not all be the greatest people, you can't say that there's any profession that's just chock full of all good people. Um, these guys have, have overcome a lot of circumstances. I think I said many players in the NFL, not most. I have no idea the backgrounds, but I've seen enough sports documentaries. I've seen enough of Last Chance You to understand what some of these kids are up against trying to kind of break a cycle of poverty. So if I misspoke and said most, I apologize. I think I said many. Uh, here, I'm just going to show you, and then I'm going to get to this quote. Uh, because this stuff, that what does to people's brains, and, you know, the, this, this shot issue, the, the COVID shots, I'm as in biggest opposition to these things as I think anybody on radio anywhere. This is an experiment. I've been warning you about the FDA, the CDC, and the medical system for six years. So I'm, I'm fully on these things. Here's, here's what, but, but the shots became political, right? 
This is another one of the great divisions between people. If you took the shot, you must, and and this is certainly not what has happened to everybody who's, I know plenty of people have just taken the shot for a myriad of reasons. Maybe they believed it would help. Maybe they had to take it for work. Uh, But in the Twitter sphere, I guess I could put it that way, there became this entrenched battle between people, the vaxxed judging the unvaxxed, telling them that they're trying to kill everybody. They don't care about Nana. And then a lot of the unvaxxed people, the cautious ones, the ones that I'm, I'm on your side, uh, a lot of times they get angry at the people who took the shot. You're an idiot. And so we have these pitch battles. This is from a, a, an MD on Twitter. She's got Dr. Natalia is her name, and she's got MD in her Twitter handle there. Just listen to what, what these kinds of pitched battles between people have done to people. Listen to this. this. Again, this is a doctor. I want to make sure I point that out. She says, I will never regret the vaccine. Even if it turns out I injected actual poison and have only days to live. My heart is and was in the right place. I got vaccinated. Well, we're not sure where your heart is. <laughs> Your heart might be in the right place. It might just be enlarged a little bit. Um, She says, I got vaccinated out of love while anti-vaxxers did everything out of hate. If I have to die because of my love for the world, then so be it. But I will never regret or apologize for it. There's so many bizarre things about that tweet. It's hard to even pick it apart. This is one of those that leaves me speechless. But this is the pitched battle between the the shot proponents. I mean, this woman says... She, she's not angry at the people at the top who might have misled her and possibly put her life at risk. She's not mad at them. She's mad at people who made a different choice than her. And this is what I'm saying. It's what I just, I can't stand politics in the division. Quote of the century here. I want you to listen to this. I ran across this. Somebody posted it. I can't even remember what the what it was in reference to, but... Boy, this one, this is quote of the century. This is from the president of the Bank of England in 1924, Montague Norman. Montague Norman, the president of the Bank of England in 1924. That's why I tell you this is quote of the century. You're going to hear it many times over the coming days. Quote, by dividing the voter through the political party system, we can get them to expend their energies in fighting for questions of no importance. It is thus, by discreet action, we can secure for ourselves that which has been so well planned and so successfully accomplished. I'm going to read it again. If you stick around with this show for the rest of this week, probably next week, you're going to memorize this thing. Because this has been the core of this show for six years. This is a divide-and-conquer strategy that is working fantastically. Quote, by dividing the voter through the political party system, we can get them to expend their energies in fighting for questions of no importance. It is thus, by discreet action, we can secure for ourselves that which has been so well planned and so successfully accomplished. We can get them to expend their energies in fighting for questions of no importance. And this is the crux of the show for six years, which is no one's paying attention to the big things. No one's talking about the debasement of the currency. Nobody's talking about the empire we've built. Nobody's talking about they're, they're, they're fighting amongst each other. 
Everybody's fighting amongst each other. It doesn't matter if it's the the football player. doesn't matter if it's the shots. Oh, I got plenty of anger about the shot program. It's not directed at anybody that took the jab. I don't understand it. In many cases, very thinking people just didn't stop for a second and go, I don't know if I should give this to my kids. It has no long-term safety studies. That's an odd way of thinking to me. I'm not, I'm not angry at you. I, I don't understand it, but that's okay. There's a lot of things about me. I know a lot of people don't understand. They email me about that constantly. Taking issue with something I've said, they can't understand how I could how I could arrive at such a such a conclusion. But I've got all of my anger is directed at the Thomas Dobbs, the Anthony Fauci's, the the pharmaceutical heads, the politicians, the corporate people who have forced this thing on their employees, but mostly the people who know, the people at the FDA, the people at the CDC who know better, but they're serving. They're big pharma masters. I'm not angry at the other person that's next to me in a grocery store aisle because they chose to take the shot. They might be angry at me, but they are falling for what Montague Norman, the president of the Bank of England, said in 1924. They're just going to get you expending your energies fighting amongst each other while they accomplish all the great things they have planned for us. And I don't know if you've looked around recently, but they're accomplishing a great deal. Things that are good for them. We've seen the largest wealth transfer. This is a guy who was in charge of a central bank in 1924, the Bank of England. And since 1924, the amount of wealth that they have accumulated, while the average person, boy, I've got some crazy stories about England, too. Just I may have to play this clip. It's just craziness coming out of Western countries right now as they make their move. It's, it's almost checkmate. And as long as we are expending our energies and fighting for questions of no importance, they will continue this march. But these people, you know, on either sides of these issues, this is what I'm observing. This is why I'm so mystified. This is why I get so tongue-tied on this show of trying to even talk about issues. It's so bizarre to me. Do you not notice what's going on? Is it, has it helped you have the slightest bit over the, just look at the trajectory of the last 30 years, and both of these two political parties have had their bite at the apple. They've controlled everything. Each one of them controlled everything from a time to time. I'm talking to you Republicans, to you Democrats. Is Joe Biden really, is your life getting dramatically better? Because you had a run of the House for the last two years? Same thing I would say for Republicans when Trump in 2016 took is is anything working for you it's the trajectory of the last 50 years appealing to you or do you believe that it is you would have had a great trajectory except the other side got that power for two years eight years ago and they derailed everything this two-party system's not serving us and i just do not do fighting amongst uh little people here I, i'm going to play this thing you <laughs> I've got so many notes for today. I'll tell you, I've, I've had several days off. Took a long weekend myself. Had an LSU game yesterday anyway. So, you know, I end up with, with pages and pages of notes. And we're going to go on and talk to someone with the Mises Caucus next hour, if anybody's interested. Um, but I, So I've got all these notes. I've got about 12 different topics to cover today. We'll, we're going to get into this. I've got to play you this thing that's going on in Oxford in England. While we're, while we're talking about the president of the Bank of England, and his plan that he said out loud for the whole world to hear, and we've ignored it for 100 years. Um, 
hear what's going on in Oxford, England right now. It is insane to think this is a Western style, you know, the air quotes here in the studio, democracy we're all fighting for. These democracies, I got to tell you, it doesn't feel like <laughs> doesn't feel like democracy to me. I'll play this when we come back. Stick around. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, here in the Mack Hike of Flowwood Studios. Check this out. Check this out. Just, just, I don't know how... This is happening so fast, this curtailing of our rights. COVID really uh, pulled this in, normalized it. People went along with it. Uh, now, many people were not happy about it, but we have to admit, as a people, we went along with it. There were, I mean, the stories were stark. There was like a gym in New Jersey. I could name uh, maybe on one hand the stories of businesses who uh, defied the government and the cops and left their businesses over or churches, you know, pastors that went in and said, I'm preaching. You can come in here and arrest me if you want to. I mean, that, that was very few. We allowed this thing to happen because they scared us. And now we know, you know, we know what the deal is. Now, with hindsight, we realize, you know, much like the Patriot Act and every other bad decision the American people make, we either stand down and then realize, oh, oh, that wasn't a good idea. Well, now we see the harm to children, all of these things. But we went along with it. Do you understand that that there's no way they could have believed that they could have locked us down the way that they did? I'd always imagine at the governmental level, at the biosecurity state level, you know, they, they got us to go along with all these wars that had nothing to do with American security. Well, let's try this at home. And I, I can always only imagine the meetings where they went, oh, my God, they did it. We, we told them to stay home and they stayed home. We told them to close their businesses and go bankrupt and they just did. We rolled out an experimental shot and like 65 percent of the people, 70 percent, they took it. They must be absolutely amazed. Well, they're getting pretty cocky, i got to tell you. They are getting pretty cocky. In England, I want you to check this out. This is in Oxford, England, not in Moscow in 1974, not in communist China. This is in Oxford, England. This woman is going to tell you about something, the, uh, the I guess the equivalent of the city council in Oxford, England, has just passed. And I'm saying not considering, not proposed, passed. 15 minutes of freedom here in the UK. So let me tell you the plan. The plan is in Oxford, and this has just been passed by the council, to divide the city here into, the squiggly city, into six parts. So one, two, three, four, five, six. And you will only have the freedom to operate in the part that you live. So if this is you, the idea is that everybody will live within 15 minutes of the things they need. 15 minutes of a school, 15 minutes of a doctor's, 15 minutes of a supermarket. And if you want to travel to the other zones in your city or maybe soon your town, you will have to go out an approved route. You will have to journey around the outside of the city in order to re-enter another section of the city. This 
plan is supposed to be saving the planet. And the idea is that you won't simply be able to cross over into other sections of your city anymore. So if your mother, for example, lived over here, you wouldn't be able to just go across and see her. This would all be done via e-gates, electronic gates and number plate recognition. You in your area will only be allowed within that 15 minute zone that you've been allocated. The number plate recognition will know if you leave your zone and you can apply for permission, a permit to leave your zone and travel to another zone. But you'll only be allowed to do this about 100 times a year. This is real. I just have to stop and say that this is actually being passed by Oxford Council. This is happening in the next two years, 2024, it begins. And if you use up all your 100 passes that someone designates whether you're allowed to have to go into the different zones, you'll be fined. Your number plate will be recognised. It will observe that you've gone somewhere you're not allowed in your own city and it will fine you £100 or £80 or whatever the fine number is. Can you believe this? This is Oxford, England. Oxford. One of the most civilized places on earth. I think I just did Australian there. I apologize. Oxford, England. But I'm telling you, these people, they, they, they looked at what we put up with on COVID. And they said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> They'll do anything. They'll do anything we tell them. So they're going to try to scare you about the climate. And they're going to do this. Uh, this is, Again, this is not communist China. Uh, another thing I want to bring up, something I've talked about several times on the show over the past six years. I keep mentioning this because today's the anniversary. It's my six-year anniversary. Um, when you drive past, uh, drive down the road right now, I know in Madison, Ridgeland, I think I see these things pretty much everywhere, but I know at one point they were in Madison because I called and inquired about them being the weirdo I am, uh, if you see these orange things on the side of the road with a big solar panel on there, those are license plate readers. They're all over the city right now. The technology's there. They're tracking you uh, everywhere that you go. And I remember calling. I can't remember if it was Ridgeland or Madison, but I did call out of curiosity. I wasn't really a jerk. I just said, what do you do with this information? They didn't really have any answers for me exactly what they do. Now, there's plenty of reasons that you could have a license plate reader, right? They're going to give you all kinds of great... It's all about keeping you safe. If somebody steals a car, look at this. We've got these license plate readers all over town. We may be able to get that car back. Well, doesn't that just sound great? If we have an Amber Alert, isn't it great that we can have these license plate readers all over the place so that we could read tags and maybe track somebody down who was abducted a child? Yes, absolutely. That sounds absolutely fantastic. But this is another one of those situations where you allow them to roll this technology. It's always under, it's always something for the benefit of you until that technology or any policy, any of these things, is turned against you. It's much like the Patriot Act. It was only for those brown, radical Muslims, wasn't it? It was only for those foreign terrorists in the war on terror. Oops, no, actually, <laughs> actually, now that's a, you're a domestic terrorist. Many people that I'm talking to right now could be possibly, well, quite probably already on a list of domestic terrorists because of your social media posts, your emails to friends. If you're listening on a digital tuner, maybe just tuning into the show has <laughs> put you on a list. Oh, I'm on the list. 
but they always sell you these things under the guise of trying to protect you and help you and all the great things that come with these things. The problem is we always have psychopaths in control of it. So we've got the license plate readers already in place here. I'm not saying this is coming to Madison. I'm not jumping up and down. I'm not chicken little on this stuff. But this is Oxford, England. This is not Beijing. This is Oxford, England. They now have zones. You will live in your zone and you will ask for permission, permission to go out of your zone. Well, they'll give you a hundred a year, Mike. Yeah, until maybe you, your social credit score is not so good, and then maybe you don't get those permissions to go outside of your zone. This is Western democracy now. Air quotes around that term. And so, again, I'm going to go back. By dividing the voter through the political party system, and England has one just as well as we do, we can get them to expend their energies in fighting for questions of no importance. It is thus, by discreet action, we can secure for ourselves that which has been so well planned and so successfully accomplished. Montague Norman, the president of the Bank of England, 1924. I'm sure, you know, they've got political parties. They've got the Tories and Labour they got conservatives and liberals in England, too. I'm sure that they are just as wackadoodle about fighting with each other over there as they are here. They've got the wokeness over there that is dividing them. As a matter of fact, I've got a great quote on wokeness, too, from a progressive that I disagree with on a ton of different things. But uh, she makes a very good point. I'm going to see if I can find that uh, quote in just a second. But uh, holy cow, <laughs> the trend is not our friend, my friend, uh, when it comes to this stuff. Oxford, England, your, your zone. That's what they have planned for us so they can get away with it. Be right back. Kind of bouncing around a little bit here, but we talk about uh, the shot stuff a little bit this is just kind of interesting what a difference a year makes is someone has tweeted out uh, two headlines side by side here here's a headline from uh reuters the fact checkers at reuters this was june of last year fact check no evidence vaccination efforts are causing new covid19 variants that's their fact check that's june of 2021 it is juxtaposed with a current headline from the Wall Street Journals. Are vaccines fueling new COVID variants? The virus appears to be uh, evolving in ways that evade immunity. And they are finding this out now. Isn't that interesting? The fact of 2021 uh, now not so facty. So interesting uh, uh, the way that that works. I have a clip too. I don't know if I, I don't know if I've got time to play it because I have I almost have to do some. It's kind of a long clip. It's a there's a journalist that was in uh, in China. You know, we're being told right now that China's hospitals are overrun. So what I'm telling you, it just feels like deja vu from uh, the beginning of 2020 all over again. Just waiting to see. <laughs> the suspense is killing me. What are their plans for us this time around? The headlines coming out of China are almost exactly what they were back in the beginning of 2020. Uh, head, you know, people are dying. 5,000 people a day. Uh, journalists went around China, went to some of the testing centers. There's nobody there. He went to one. There were 10 people standing in line, and he said several of them didn't even, they weren't sick. They didn't have COVID. It's just that the green light on their app 
had been turned off. You know, they've got a red code, so they're uh, exiled from society until they get their their app turned green. So they they were just there for a negative COVID test. They weren't there because they were sick. So this feels like the exact same psyop they were running. Uh, I've talked about this many times in the last few days because it is creeping me out. It is absolutely creeping me out uh, how similar the stories out of China are to uh, being what we heard in 2020. So uh, stay tuned. As I said, the suspense is killing me. But, you know, when you look at Great Britain, you look at Oxford, the clip I just played, the, the bottom line is they're looking to see what we'll put up with. Could they, could they possibly pull this off again? Could they possibly pull this off again? Um, this is a quote. <clears throat> now you're gonna you're gonna rankle a, a conservative audience will rankle a, 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 at one phrase in this, but I'm gonna kind of explain the larger point here. This is from Caitlin Johnstone. I believe she is a socialist. She's very very left wing. Very good writer. Very honest about a lot of things. Man, do I disagree with her on a ton of stuff. Definitely do. But this is just was interesting to me. She she quoted uh, tweeted this out. She said one of the dopiest beliefs on the populist right currently is that the ruling elites care about normalizing wokeism and social justice. Our rulers don't give a blank about trans rights or whatever. They only care about fanning the flames of culture war to prevent a class war. And boy, do I think that's right. You know, these corporations, we, we look at them, we think they, <clears throat> you know, the big banks are on, on the wokeism stuff, the military's on the wokeism stuff. I mean, I understand the, the way it feels. You think that all these people really support this stuff. I, I think she's right. I think they know if they can get us fighting amongst each other on these ridiculous, just bizarro trans rights and hormone blockers for kids, if they can get us fighting in the trenches about this stuff, and I, it needs to be fought. It needs to be stopped. There's no doubt about it. It's rank insanity. But they push this at the the elite level, not because they care about it. They don't care about any of these things. The oligarchs don't care about trans rights. The oligarchs don't care about the climate. The, it, it's so, I mean, they're not flying around in private jets caring about the planet. I don't even need to say that. It's so patently obvious. The lives they live show they don't care about using gasoline. They don't care about any of these things. They don't care about social justice. They don't care about any of these things. But they know as long as we're fighting that fight, then we don't look up and fight the war, understand who the true enemy is. So they stoke these little fights to keep us, keep us at each other's throats. And for the left to go along with this insanity, I really think it's probably a pretty small sliver of the left. It's not every Democrat, because I know a bunch of Democrats, and none of them are on board with gender blockers or uh, hormone blockers for eight-year-olds. Not a one of them. But the bizarro left that's latched onto this stuff, it's just like that woman I read you the quote. She, she'd take the, even if she found out the vaccine was complete poison, she's glad she took it. It's just that there, there's a segment of society out there that just, they've lost their ever-loving minds. But the people at the top, they don't care about any of these issues that they're getting us to fight about. None of them. They don't care about any of them. Balanced budget. I mean, anything that we're fighting about, they don't care about it. They just want to keep us at each other's throats uh, so that we don't actually turn our necks and look at their direction.
are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, here in the Mack Hike of Flowood Studios. Uh, as I started the show off by talking about, we're about to have a guest on here, Josiah Baker. He is with the uh, he's with the Libertarian Party. He's with a new group that's running the Libertarian Party called the Mises Caucus. We're going to talk about what that is, what they believe, uh, what kind of moves they're making, what their strategy is around the country. Uh, nobody, and I'm sure Josiah is the same, we don't think we're going to wake up tomorrow and live in uh, a country run at the federal level by libertarians. The game is <laughs> uh, these two parties. You got to hand it to them. They've done a great job. They have entrenched themselves. There's no doubt about it. But as a, a lot of conservatives out there have looked to alternative media, you've given up on mainstream media, rightfully. Uh, the media in this country is abhorrent. It's it's state run. It's corporate run uh, media, and we know that. And so people have gone uh, looking for things uh, like our radio station. I'd say we're probably kind of like alter, uh, alternative news here at WIAB. But you've gone online to find other people. You, you find kind of like-minded people on Twitter. You, you get your news from things other than mainstream media and their horrible slants on things. Well, to me, uh, the Republican Party is just basically establishment media at this point. Now, there's some great Republicans out there. Many of them I talk about uh, on, a, on a, just about a daily basis. Thomas Massey, Ron Paul, Mike Lee. Uh, Chip Roy, there's there's some great Republicans there. They ain't the Republican Party. They're not generally the people in, in large amounts of power. So we're just I think it's worth taking some time and realizing there's something else out there. It's interesting to know that the Libertarian Party is the third largest party in the country. Uh, I don't know how many parties there are total, but they're 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 number three, and so they're at least probably got a little bit of momentum. The problem is the Libertarian Party has been an absolute train wreck. I've talked about it for years. I am a libertarian in philosophy. The Libertarian Party, their mascot is a porcupine, which I love. For those of you out there who just want to be left alone, understand that's the reason that the the Libertarian Party mascot is a porcupine, not a bloated elephant or a jackass. Uh, So with that being said, uh, we've got on the phone with us Josiah Baker. He's out of Tennessee. He's on the national board with the Mises Caucus. Josiah, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I just wanted to get you on and, and talk a little bit about exactly this group that's taken over uh, the Libertarian Party. Uh, <clears throat> Libertarian Party was a was really a, just an absolute train wreck. I mean, I was not a member of the party until this group of Mises Caucus people, and for people who, you know, Mises Caucus is kind of an, an abstract term to most people. Uh, these are really kind of the Ron Paul people, aren't they? That kind of philosophy. It's 100%, man. We're the people that um, were involved in the Ron Paul 2008-2012 campaigns, um, have been Ron Paulites this entire time, liberty-loving people. We're the people that uh, grew up listening and got inspired through the YouTube movement listening to Ron Paul. Yeah, That's all of us now, and we've decided um, it's time for liberty-loving Americans to find a good, solid place that's honest to get work done, and that's within the party. Yeah, and and to start rolling back, you know this. I mean, you know, and you and I talked a second on uh, off air. I mean, we've we've seen the government. They're in every nook and cranny of our lives, and especially during COVID, they they turned it up uh, to refer to Spinal Tap. They turned it up to eleven, and the Libertarian <laughs> Party at the time was just basically a wall. They were out tweeting some social justice crap, and people need to understand. I think that different people are running the Libertarian Party now. It is not the wokesters. Many of them. There were still there were good people in the LP, but the the direction of the party. You want to talk about a time for people. To, to talk about freedom and liberty, uh, it was during the COVID lockdowns, and the LP was pretty much non-existent or completely ineffectual. So this is different people running the party now, correct? 
Yeah, 100%, man. We um, Honestly, that's what got me involved. I've been libertarian for years. I got turned on to it. I grew up, admittedly, a boomer con, neocon, war hawk. Me you know, too. I grew up in a uber Christian conservative home where you know you couldn't watch X-Men or anything, and you voted Republican because Jesus was a Republican. And, uh, you know, Ron Paul rubbed me the wrong way, but it was in the right way because he was an honest Christian doctor who had you know, birthed over 5,000 babies, and he just got out and spoke the truth, and he was playing a different game. Um, and it was the Giuliani moment when he gave Giuliani a reading list um, that really made me go, huh, yeah. maybe history didn't start 30 seconds ago. Yeah. And and then I started to realize, wait a minute, um, the United States has been behaving like the Roman Empire <laughs> um, in, in more ways than one, but, you know, morally and uh militarily and empirically with unconstitutional war since the Second World War. And I was like, wait, this is not the Glencoe history textbook that I was taught in government school. And it really opened me up to it. But I never got involved in the party because, you know, I I got dug into the literature, dug into the philosophy, uh, listened to every Ron Paul speech known to man. But, but you know, I looked at the party and I was like, I'm, you know, there was good people involved, I'm sure, but we've all seen C-SPAN videos of, naked fat guys running across the stage. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm not putting on clown shoes and losing any of my rapport with my family, my community, my friends that I've built bridges with. And so I refused. And then COVID happened. And COVID happened, and we saw the government response, the unilateral response, and the mandates and all of this. It's a total liberty issue. And the National Party stayed silent yep. throughout COVID. In fact, they celebrated lockdowns and pushed propaganda. Yep. And they had to be actually publicly shamed on Twitter by comedian Dave Smith to even come out and say something against the COVID mandates. And their response was, well, it goes without saying. Meanwhile, several other things they were happy to espouse that should have been goes without saying. Like, you, I understand, yes, there, you know, there are racist folks out there. Um, it's a lot better time right now than it has been, and it seemed like at the time the National Party was trying to find a bigot under every tree or, or rock, when in the meantime you had the government crushing, crushing communities, crushing yes. businesses, Kids. crushing families, putting people out of work and silence. And I said, I can't do this. I can't sit on the sideline anymore. And that's when I got involved. You know you know what's really amazing, just in, in kind of thinking about this, there's it's it's sad that a party that really espouses true freedom and true liberty which is what i think most conservatives when they talk that's how they talk but this party has been so ineffectual and and quite frankly in many cases very just weird um has not been able to attract anybody but what's amazing is the fact that the party was so small uh there has been i mean this is like a 180 degree turn almost uh, of the Libertarian Party, and it was accomplished because it is a small, unentrenched, uh, doesn't have a lot of money. You're not ever going to see the Republicans are not going to have uh, a a wholesale switch in their approach to foreign policy tomorrow, even though I think a lot of conservatives now, particularly with the Ukraine issue, are saying, what are we doing again? We're risking nuclear World War Three with uh, with Russia over Ukraine and the Nazis. in U- I mean, you know, conservatives are waking up to this. But the Republican Party doesn't matter how many conservatives are outraged about that. The Republican Party is not going to just flip and become something different. But the Libertarian Party, because it was smaller, uh, was able to be changed. I mean, wholesale changed. And 
with that change, I want to ask you about something. Did you hear, and I've broken them down on this show over the past few months, there were a lot of Republicans. A big talking point leading into the midterm with the Republicans was the libertarians are the big threat. Uh, Alex Jones call, coming out and saying, well, I was a libertarian. Now I view libertarians as a cancer. Uh, uh, ben Shapiro did a big, long segment on how horrible the libertarians were. Uh, Dennis Prager did a long segment on how terrible the libertarians were. And there was it seemed very coordinated. This was within about a two or three week period. Republicans started coming out after libertarians, which I thought was interesting. For a party that's never had any power, <laughs> never been in charge of anything, you know, in the, in the history of this country, save the, I'd say the founding fathers were pretty darn libertarian. But it was just funny to me to see this co- concerted effort by the Republicans to suddenly start attacking libertarians of all people. Um, I don't know if they know that there's a change at the Libertarian Party that I believe the Mises Caucus, if you got your message out, if people understood what you were. Uh, could actually affect Republican voters. They may realize they've got another place to go. And I don't know if they were scared of that or if they didn't realize there was a change and they were thinking that the Libertarian was still run by these woke people. I, I noticed the exact same thing, and we brought it up in leadership meetings. It was very, it, It's not a coincidence that all the talking heads of Conservative Inc. all came out at the exact same time to do hit pieces. And it's funny, the SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center, they did a hit piece during the Reno reset saying that uh, the libertarian, the people taking over the libertarian party, the Mises caucus types were all right, pipeline people, blah, 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 all the buzzwords. And that's your typical attack from the left. Everybody wears that like a badge of honor these days. Right. So dishonest. And then the conservatives did it. And the conservatives did it in such a way they never cite anybody from the past six months. They cite the Jorgensen campaign or the Gary Johnson campaign, and they really love to push the libertines. And for folks that don't know, this is a vocabulary lesson. Libertarian and libertine are two totally different things. Libertarian is however you want to do your life, whatever, as long as you don't hurt people, impose your life on others, or take their stuff, whatever. Libertine takes that in a goofy direction that says, now you must destigmatize and celebrate and right. rubber stamp, endorse and say you're for whatever behavior. Two totally different things. And the conservatives love to point at that. And then also Michael Knowles from the Daily Wire was just on TimCast with Tim Pool, and he really stepped in it saying that the problem that the problem that we're at, the reason the, the left runs every institution is because the well, the right, the conservatives, they listen to the libertarians and, and in, in the message of well, this power shouldn't exist, we should abolish it. And that's how we got there. When has when have Republicans ever listened to libertarians? I mean, seriously, where where yeah. is the evidence that they have followed the lead of libertarian ideas in, 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 yeah. in any juncture? Libertarians were screaming, war in Iraq, hey, fault, no, no. Libertarians have screamed, hey, you know, Patriot Act, the expansion of federal government, this is going to be used internally, and now we see all these weapons being used on American citizens that are dissident. We've been saying this for over 50 years. Yeah. And uh, you had the the best president that we've never had was Ron Paul. Oh, I <laughs> and know. He said it, and he said it to everybody, and he didn't care. He spoke truth, you know, into the void. But uh, here we all are. But so that's yeah, the conservative effort. Um, and, and and here's you know, I'm a I'm an ordained non denominational minister. I'm a Christian. Uh, I consider myself. I live my life in a conservative fashion. The key is, I believe in freedom of choice because it's a foundational principle in both 
libertarianism and my Christianity. Yeah. So that is the message that I speak. You can be as conservative as you want. In fact, in the state of Tennessee, when I, you know, I'm running for chair, and if I win, one of the one of the main points of emphasis, I'm going to be reaching out to the Indian communities, the Muslim communities who understand localized, leave us alone. We run it, raise our families how we want. We'll trade with everyone peacefully. We're going to be good citizens, but please quit encroaching, you know, the, this woke mentality on us. Quit trying to put this in our kids in school. And so they're yanking their kids out of school and they're raising their families. Those people understand conservatism better than some, you know, Americans that have lived here for 50 years. Yeah. That's what that is. Live it peacefully. You don't have to impose it on someone else. That's not hard. Yeah. And, I, you know, we're so we're so easily guided in bad directions through fear. Uh, you know, the, the, both political parties just use fear to tell you that they've got to have a law for this or a law for that. And I think, you know, <clears throat> I've said it many times on the show, but you and I have never talked before, but I, I'm, I'm probably like you. I was a Kool-Aid drinking, neocon, warmongering Republican <laughs> through the yeah. 1990s and into the first George W. Bush uh, term. I argued for the Iraq war saying we needed to do something. (laughs) This is just, Oh, just it's, it's embarrassing to say, I remember having this conversation with a friend of mine who was smarter than I was at the time, but you know, it was, it was Ron Paul. And, and I talk a lot on this show about not falling in love with politicians. Look, if Ron Paul changed his, his point of view on things and started saying things I disagreed with tomorrow, I'll dump him. But the guy's probably the most consistent guy. And I remember listening to Ron Paul too. And much like you, when I first heard the things, I went, oh, my God, this isn't what I've been taught. What is this guy, some kind of a pacifist? But I let it get into my head and thought about it a little bit and listened to a little bit more. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, he's he's absolutely right. And it's been interesting even, you know, introducing Ron. Paul. I remember going to a poker game one time, and I think this was uh, uh, before the 2008 election. And someone said, well, you know, who are you? You know, I was known to talk about politics and public. Who are you supporting? And I said, man, I don't know. This, have you seen this Ron Paul guy? And two or three of the people at the poker game go, oh, my God, that guy, he's crazy. I said, well, I'm just saying, have you ever listened to him? I mean, actually heard what he said. And, you know, it, about two months later, they were they were Ron Paul fans. <laughs> you know, I mean, so it, it's interesting. I think the Libertarian Party, with that kind of message, I think conservatives have caught on to so many things. I think they've caught on to the wars. I think now they've caught on to the pharmaceutical complex. Uh, I think they're catching on to to so many things. Not there yet, because a lot of people cheering for war with China now. They don't want to see the war with Russia, but for some reason uh, we need to <laughs> we need to encircle uh, China to contain them. It's just kind of bizarre stuff. But anyway, I think... You know, I think Republicans are open to that message, too. And there's a lot of people on the left, too. I love the fact the Libertarian Party and the People's Party are getting together for an anti-war rally uh, in February. And that's what needs to be done. This will be a large group of people that would disagree with each other on a ton of different things, except the biggest issue in the world right now, which may be the nuclear annihilation of planet Earth. So they're willing to set aside their differences on public schooling or a whole host of other things, uh, nationalized health care, in order to try to stop World War III. And and I absolutely love that. So there's, there's, I think there's just very interesting things about 
Uh, who can be attracted to ideas of real freedom when they're presented well? And I think the Mises Caucus is certainly much better poised to do that than the old leadership of the Libertarian Party. We're talking to uh, Josiah Baker. He is uh, up in Tennessee, but he is one of the national board members of the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party. I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about you know some of the things that the Mises believes, what their plans are, you know, and how you run a political movement with uh, – Am I speaking wrong when I say uh, basically no money? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's funny. Yes, it is a shoestring budget, but we did just break a party record raising fundraising of two million. Right. In six months. Right. Yeah, so. I guess it, it's just it's so funny to think that, you know, you, you guys are the ragtag bunch of rebels out there right now. You really are um, uh, up against the machine. And I think people, just like they're seeking out alternative media instead of the mainstream media, I hope people will pay attention to this other alternative. I got a couple of quotes uh, that I'll play when we or talk about when we come back. But, you know, you guys are kind of <laughs> you are the up and comers, the underdogs, the David versus Goliath. But I, I absolutely love it. We're talking to Josiah Baker with the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party. Stick around. We'll be right back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYEB. We're talking to uh, Josiah Baker with the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party. So tell us just a little bit about, you know, we, we've talked about, people are fairly familiar with, with Ron Paul, but what is the Mises Caucus? What's, you know, what are you about? So it's, first off, it is named after the economist, Austrian economist Ludwig von Mises. Uh, and for those who, who are unfamiliar with Austrian economic thought and theory, I recommend looking up the Mises Institute in Alabama. They carry the tradition. The tradition is basically if you want to be right on economics, this is the school of thought. A lot of folks are um, – you want to you want to know why we're sitting in an inflationary bubble that's going to turn into recession really yep. quick here? Yep. Um, it's because we've ignored the school. Right. So we named it after, after Ludwig von Mises. It's also in the spirit of uh, Murray Rothbard. Uh, he's – for those of you that believe in spirit animals, that would be the spirit animal <laughs> the, of the movement, and then Ron Paul is like the soul of the movement. So what we what we believe in is an extreme and radical approach and being unapologetically libertarian, unapologetically anti-government, corporate, oligarchical behavior. I mean, Mussolini had a definition. Mussolini would love to see the current state of America, the marriage of the corporate class with the government. We've seen that in social media. We've seen it in big pharma. The military-industrial complex has been doing it. Eisenhower warned us about it. And and this is the state we live in. We, we, we need to really wake up as a people in America. We do not live in a free state. Go to the airport. Go to your, you know, go to a business that still imposes vaccine mandate cards. Go to, these are real things on a daily basis that Americans have, have been conditioned. They've been conditioned that the government is is, is for them. I mean, think about... Think about great comedians, um, you know, like Carlin, talking yeah. about the government is not your friend. He understood this back in the 80s. Yeah, that's all, is, he's kind of the spirit is, animal of this show. Yeah, exactly. This is the, and, and a lot of folks, uh, I love Michael Malice. He's a great follow on Twitter if you're out there. One of the great things that he pushes back, and a lot of talking heads will say, it's just gotten so worse. It's gotten so much worse. It's, no, 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 no. Because of technology, and there's so many things you can capture on camera, 
it's it's always been this way. It's now we know the man is behind the curtain, like Wizard of Oz. This has always been the case. The information that's been given to you has been spoon-fed. And look at the CIA papers that just got released that Tucker Carlson talked about. The fact, you know, of people being involved. And, and, and you heard absolutely a pin drop on all corporate media news right. except for Tucker Carlson. Yeah. That's a huge international story, and nobody is willing to pick it up because they all get their talking points from D.C. Right. So we're, we're very against that. Um, but what are we for? We are for localized approach. Localized approach by that, I mean the Libertarian Party for 50 years, we, we, we have to have a – I call it a come-to-Jesus moment for those that understand that term. It's, it's, it's self-realization and, and taking personal inventory. There's been this approach for a while of just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what's this. We want to run a candidate in every single thing, whatever, and your return on investment is absolutely nothing. People get burned out because, like you said, we are on a shoestring budget. So our approach is – you got to learn how to play a different game. From a presidential standpoint, we're not living in that Robin Williams movie, Man of the Year. Your third-party guy is not going to win the president. Okay? So what is that? That is a that is a pulpit to speak values, to speak truth, to be unapologetic, and to turn people on to the ideas of liberty that we need in America. And we run our focal point in the caucus and now in the party is running candidates at local level. And candidates... Specifically, specifically at specifically at seats of power, school board, sheriff, county commission, city council. These are seats that can do what's called nullification. They can nullify the state bad laws and the federal bad laws and say we're not doing that here. Yeah, because a little dirty secret is those those federal laws they can only be carried out if local folks adhere to it, promote it, and administer it. It's how the state of California. They nullified the federal weed law, and you've had you've not had any arrests. So nullification is beautiful. It can be done at local levels. This last cycle, I believe we had um, right at 30 or 32 percent of the local candidates that ran won. Most of these local offices, it, honestly, this is a replication of the left playbook. Everybody complains the left runs all the institutions, and they have for the past hundred years. Well, what do they do? These folks couldn't get a job you know, in the actual workplace. So they, they glommed on locally. They went to all the local meetings. They got their name recognition. They got their name on a ballot. They got voted into a local office. And boom, when you get in the local office, you now build your name recognition to run for higher offices. And they climb the ladder into state, climb the ladder into Congress, climb the ladder into the White House. You can't expect overnight for folks, no matter how beautiful philosophy or your ideas or whatever, people have to trust you. And that's something the LP has not done in the past. They've not understood. People need to trust you. Yeah, 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 I get it. you got awesome ideas and you got thousand-page books. That's cool. Um, I have to trust you, and also I have to like you. And whether people want to admit it or not, the way most local politicians or any politician gets elected is people go, I like that guy. I'd like to have yeah. a beer with that guy. <clears throat> and yeah. they vote for him. All right. You have to be – so our, our focus is on electable candidates in local winnable races so that they can gain trust to climb the rank, and that is what we've done. That's already started to roll out, and we're really excited of the folks. The talent pool is getting really big really fast. We're getting impressive people within their communities who already have the trust of their community that are stepping up that want to run for office, and we highly encourage it. Well, you know, you and I kind of have similar backgrounds. We were both Republicans, um, 
and I've referred to it many times on this show that I think Republicans are in a battered voter syndrome. It is like a wife that just can't leave her husband because that husband might beat the crap out of her and might take advantage of her and might beat her down. But he tells her that nobody else is ever going to love her. And if he doesn't, if she doesn't stay with him, she's going to be nothing. You know, and it's like and, and Republicans are really dissatisfied with the Republican National Party right now. Uh, there's no doubt about that. It's very interesting. You know, there is similar fighting going on in the left, too. A lot of the true leftist and liberals realize that they've just elected a corporate class of stooges for uh, big pharma and the military industrial complex in Nancy Pelosi and, and even the squad. I mean, so there's dissatisfaction of people of these two major parties, yet there's this weird trap. It's genius, um, but there is this weird trap where it's pretty much you, you just you know, maybe we can entertain some ideas from somebody else later. But right now we got to support the, you know, the Republicans or we got to support the Democrats to make sure the other side doesn't doesn't take over right now. And so it's the the, the two party system. It, it, it's like uh, they talk about being an archway. You know, you've got these everybody's got to be on one side or the other fighting the other side to hold the arch up. And at the very top of that arch, you know, are the people that none of us are very fond of, uh, right or left, black, white, young, old. It doesn't matter. We view our political class as corrupt, yet we're stuck in this system uh, for the vast majority of people where they feel that was is just this binary choice. And we need to keep supporting it, even though it keeps abusing us. 100 percent, man. Um, it's so funny. One of the one of the great talking points that I've heard, you know, um, I'll bring him up again. Michael Malice has a great quote that, you know in regard to republicanism and i'll paraphrase it it's you know republicans are progressives driving a speed limit right all they end up doing is defending the progressive policy of 15 20 years ago and if you look at it right now if if, if someone came out and proposed barack obama's 2008 budget that budget would be considered conservative oh even barack obama's social stances from 2008 yeah. right now <laughs> yeah he'd, he'd be more conservative than a lot of republicans so, you know, you have to ask yourself, what are the Republicans conserving except for, you know, special interests and in everything that the left actually wants? And you are correct. The dissident left, I can work with dissident left, people like Jimmy Doors. Yes. People that see it for what it is and call it out, and they're hated by the people that try to walk around and pretend they're left. I'm talking about actual lefts that are, you know, they have the books. You know, they've read the books. And there, that's why we're doing this anti-war rally in February, is because it does not, you know, if we could get back to a place where we could argue tax policy, healthcare policy, budgetary cuts and spending, um, none of that matters if we're all dead in nuclear war. And, and the nuclear holocaust, people don't realize. Scott Horton's great about talking this. The nuclear holocaust isn't so much as, you know, boom, a couple cities are blown up from bombs. It's also the fact that when those bombs go off, the radiation creates a cloud, so, you, you know, there's either a temperature cooling or heating from the nuclear explosion. You can't grow crops, so oh, we yeah. all starve. Well, you know, we're, so we're, we're such that's a— kind of important. We're such a reactionary people, and what's so sad to me is that we just can't get out ahead of anything. We just cannot, yeah. and this is this is one of those seems pretty easy to get out ahead of. World War III, not a great idea, but you have got Republicans, including one of our own senators here from the state of Mississippi— that believe that the only problem with Ukraine is we didn't give them enough and we didn't get to them fast enough. I mean, and he is supporting a no-fly zone over uh, Ukraine right now using NATO jets uh, to be, you know, and and he is welcomed at 
you know, public gatherings here in the state of Mississippi with slaps on the back and handshakes. I mean, this is not a hard one. This is an existential threat to humanity. Now, I'm sure people have said that during the Cold War, and it never happened. So maybe we're just believing, ah, that'll never happen. I think that may be part of it, too. But this is a, a pretty darn important issue. And I think a lot of Republicans now are realizing that this is not the path forward. This world domination uh, of us always calling the shots and sending money and propping up dictators or th- overthrowing governments. I think a lot of conservatives, I don't know if it's financial I don't know if it's uh, a newfound care of humanity. I don't care what it is. I think they're finally kind of coming to the idea that this is not the way forward. We've got to stop it. Um, but I want to circle back to one thing you said was, you know, you're talking about going into local elections. It feels to me like that's going to be really important in coming years. Our federal government is insolvent. It is giving ever more encroaching on our local communities. And I think there's going to be a time within my lifetime where it's going to be very important that the people that you elect to local offices. Right now we got the school boards. I'm I'm involved in fighting some of the school board stuff with a bunch of great moms, particularly, and some dads that are out there fighting the school boards. To stop this federal intrusion into our lives and some of the wackadoodle stuff coming out of Washington, D.C., you're going to need good local leadership. And if you can get people who will flat out say no to the federal government at this point, that is extremely important. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, one thing one thing that the, the I call it the ruling class, um, you know, your your big, uh, you know, your Washington, D.C. types, your Beltway types, your Wall Street types, these folks. You know, the, the big pharma. One thing I don't think that they really thought about the blowback that took place during this COVID lockdown era was the fact that normal, everyday, blue-collar people were going to decide to get involved locally. Yeah. Because people did not realize. You, you did not realize how important your local mayor or even your governor was. Right. Because look at states. You know, the one thing that DeSantis, that I thought that he totally got right. He got right after, I mean, he did do two weeks. But he said, "Hey, enough with this mess. We're going to do what we should do." Absolutely. And yeah. you look at the states. You look at the states that did it right, and the states that didn't. Um, people left those states. You look at the states like Michigan. You look at uh, states like Illinois. Those, in my opinion, are they're a lost cause because yeah. everybody that was that wanted government out of their life, they left. Yeah. They left honestly to the south. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to get what they, yeah, those people in those states are going to get what they wanted good and hard. <laughs> I mean, it's going to just continually spiral for them, and I, I don't know why they can't see it. Look, we got to take a break. We're talking to Josiah Baker. He is with the Mises Caucus. This is the group that's taken over the Libertarian Party. Just talking a little bit. I mean, like I say, <clears throat> it's an alternative. I'm not, so none of us are sitting here saying, oh, we need to. You know, we need to unseat Roger Wicker and put in a libertarian in his place. The the money's not there. The mechanisms aren't there. It would be great. It's a possibility at some point. But that's not the dream of the Libertarian Party. It is to try to restore some freedom in this country, community by community. And just as a prediction, if you don't care about it now, I bet you in the next 10 to 20 years you're going to care about it a lot. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. We're talking to Josiah Baker with the uh, Mises Caucus. Uh, he is up in Tennessee. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, Mises Caucus uh, state by state. You guys are like, focusing on the local stuff, so you're trying to get some people uh, energized about it here in Mississippi, too? 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Convention, uh, the state convention is not that far away. I yeah. believe it is in uh, February, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And that is the time. If you're really wanting to come get involved, you can come. You can join the state party. That gives you voting rights for um, the executive committee, the officers that run the state party for the next year. Um, it's a great also time to, to kind of break bread, whether it be real bread or liquid bread, with folks, talk ideas, argue, fill man, do whatever, to really dip your toe in. Because, I mean, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's been really encouraging the past six months to see how many true conservatives, um, and, and by that I mean people that, that believe the Constitution should be adhered to, yeah. not uh, a doormat, to see them go, wait a minute, Republicans always say that the Constitution matters, and they love to point out budgets when a Democrat's in office, and then they double the budget and blow it out when they're in office, and that we don't believe in that. You know, with the Libertarian Party, we're with open arms here. We, we agree completely. There was an old alliance back in the day called the Old Right, and that's the Robert Taft Republican, Mr. Republican, who thought it was irresponsible for America to even get involved in NATO, that we had no business in these entangling alliances like George Washington talked about in his farewell speech. And and those, uh, you know, I say it right now, I openly proselytize to actual true conservatives. You are welcome in this party. It's the foundational principle of you live as conservative as you want. Just don't, uh, you know, don't beat someone or bludgeon them over the head and force them to to follow your values. Truth be told, a lot of folks in the LP are conservative. Oh, yeah. We are conservatives, and we view libertarianism as the means to do that in harmony and peace. Well, what's so interesting is that, you know, the Republicans, the right— uh, I mean, the the Constitution, freedom, liberty, these are rallying cries of the, the rank-and-file Republican out there. It's just that it's completely ignored by the Republican Party itself. And so, you know, one thing that uh, I would be—I have a kind of a running debate with another guy here at the station, and we've gotten on air and kind of knocked this around a little bit. I'm fine if the Republican Party wants to turn to be all Thomas Massey's. You know, if if you've got— people who are truly about the Constitution and freedom in the Republican Party, then God love them. And the, the the LP has made a point of saying, if there's a good Republican running, we don't want to run against them for anything. We, yeah. want, we are just want freedom and liberty. I don't care if uh, if the Libertarian Party, it doesn't become anything, but it pushes the Republican Party to become more based on the Constitution and freedom and liberty. That's fine with me, too. I, I, I don't care about party labels or any of that stuff. The fact is, though, if the Republicans aren't going to do it, somebody needs to step up and, and offer it to people. Absolutely, man. At the end of the day, if the Libertarian Party um, pushes people within the Republican Party that are all in, you know holding office, if it pushes them to be better and actually do what they say they want to do, um, in regards to, to budgetary spending and embracing liberty, that's a win. We're we're here for liberty. Liberty right. is the goal. Yeah, and we we know that some folks are not going to embrace it. Those folks need to be primaried and kicked to the curb. Um, and that's just my stance. And if you look at this, these midterms, a lot of folks got you know boo hoo over the 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 red trickle and not the red wave. Look at people like your Mike Lee's, your Thomas Massey's, your Rand Pauls, the people that were vehemently anti-COVID regime and lockdown won by double digits. The people that did not focus on that and wanted to focus on other fringe issues or on, you know, chest thumping or being honestly bad candidates, they lost. Yeah. And the only people that, that, you know, people like to, I understand election, obviously there is election fraud out there. I don't know the percentage of it, but I will say this. 
it's very eerily similar to my favorite football team, the Las Vegas Raiders, constantly complaining that the refs cheat them out of games instead of preparing during the week, having great execution of the playbook, and doing practice. The product you put on the field at the end of the day, that is your responsibility. And if you lose, you lose. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, Republican Party, they've they've lost a lot of people philosophically, uh, mentally. They've lost a whole lot of people. Uh, it's just that they still capture their votes. They still capture their support. And there is a, always an idea of a political savior, you know, coming to people's rescue. I'm telling you, I, I, one thing I like about Mises, focusing on the local, that is so much more important than sitting. I don't know how many times we've tried to find a political savior. We saw the Obama posters back in 2008. He was the great hope. Uh, candidate. We saw Donald Trump. He's going to deliver us all from what it was. I'm telling that that is not coming. Uh, we need to wrestle back control at the local level. And when the federal government becomes completely insolvent and can't afford to support itself, uh, maybe it will just involuntarily shrink to the size it should be. We got to take one more break, and I wanted to come back. We're going to give some just a little bit of stuff how people can get involved in Mississippi. And you know, the thing is. If you if you like libertarian ideas, if you're sick and tired of being abused by the by the GOP, if you want to register as a libertarian, you don't have to vote libertarian. When the election comes, you can still go vote, vote for your Republican guy if you want to beat back a Democrat or whatever. But I do believe the Republican Party needs the fear of God put into them. A lot of people talk about how the left and the Democratic Party panders to minority communities and then delivers nothing for them. I tell you what, I could say just about the same thing for the Republican Party and what they do for conservatives. They count on your vote, and then they deliver nothing. Uh, we're talking to Josiah Baker with the Mises Caucus. Give us a minute. We'll be right back. All right, final segment here. We're talking to Josiah Baker with the Mises Caucus of the Libertarian Party. Josiah, we only got about two minutes left, but tell us, uh, you know, if people wanted to look up, get interested in Mises, tell them some places they could go to look some stuff up. Absolutely. You can go to TakeHumanAction.com, or you can go to LPMisesCaucus.com, that's M-I-S-E-S, to get involved with the caucus. Uh, to join your state party, you can go to mslp.org. That's MS, like Mississippi, lp.org. And to join national, you can just go to lp.org. But we really encourage you to get involved, get in plugged in locally, and grow that thing organically. We're really excited about uh, the, the resurgence there in Mississippi and nationwide, for sure. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. If you if you want to know what the Libertarian Party is thinking, um, and I've read, I read a lot of Libertarian Party tweets on this show. I do quotes of the day, and I'll throw in Libertarian Party tweets because they were so terrible before you guys took over <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that they would just make my stomach churn. Uh, you need to, if anybody's listening and they don't still don't understand libertarianism or what it's about, you need to just take a look at the, the LP, the Libertarian Party's official Twitter page, and just look at what they put out. And I, I, I don't know anything that they put out that conservatives would not agree with, almost lock, stock, and barrel. I mean, the messaging coming out of the LP right now, and Angela McCardle, the chairman of it, uh, is just spot on. And I think it, it, it will scratch a lot of people right where they itch. So if you want to know what libertarians are about, not saying they're going to take over the federal government anytime soon, but if you want to know what the philosophy is about and where they stand on different issues from wokeness to war, you need to watch their Twitter feed because they will tell you on a daily basis, unabashedly and unashamedly, uh, exactly what they stand for. So, well, Josiah, I really do appreciate it. Um, 
I guess you'll be up at the uh, the anti-war rally. Good for you there, and uh, hopefully we'll run across each other sometime in the state of Mississippi. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Sure, we will certainly do it again. All right, that's Josiah Baker. He is with the Mises Caucus, recently taking over the Libertarian Party. Josiah, we'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right, bye-bye. All right, that's our show. I know some people say they get tired of me talking about libertarianism. I'm just telling you. If you're looking for an alternative, there, there's one sitting there. And I don't. you don't have to vote LP for the rest of your life. Push the Republican Party towards freedom and liberty. That would be a pleasant change. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now.